It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in America. It's time for Dan and Daryl. Welcome back. We're talking to retired Navy, or excuse me, Marine Major. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, he's got a, a story about the Marines who died in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So, Fred, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I looked at what happened in Afghanistan and the withdrawal, and it took me a while to find out that it wasn't the, the military that was in charge of the withdrawal. It was the State Department. And Fred, the thing that the first thing that bothered me is that nobody in the State Department did anything about the ninety billion dollars worth of weaponry that was at the Air Force base. They just walked away from it. It wasn't on anybody's radar. And I'm saying, how do you plan that kind of situation of, of leaving all that? Uh, the, the, the intelligence, which was obviously false about who was involved in killing the, the, our, our soldiers. So what, what, what drove you to want to write this story? Well, this book titled A Few Bad Men, uh, very similar to the nonfiction book and movie, A Few Good Men, this describes the, where the accountability lies and who has not accepted it. And what happened, there is fault, just like there was on September 11, 2012, in Libya with the Benghazi attack, where this fumble and the finger pointing between Department of State and Department of Defense, you know, who's doing what. Uh, bottom line, when you have American lives on the line, we as a uh, a government in the United States have an obligation to protect Americans and American interests. So the Department of Defense did have a role in every emergency action plan for every embassy. The State Department has a regional security officer and that regional security officer develops a plan and has multiple, not just one, multiple what we call A pods and S pods, airports and seaports where we can do large scale evacuations, but to with to narrow that down to one and that to be the least defensible and the highest risk, that's, that's bad on the Department of State uh, was their call, but the Department of Defense had an obligation to, uh, I mean, what the Department of Defense did as far as withdrawing the Marines out of uh, Bagram. And then, you know, the other thing in that emergency action plan, it's doctrinal to you do a triage and you assess, okay, here's the American citizens, they're priority one. Then you line up and identify the third country nationals. And then, you know, the last to go is a diplomatic mission. This was complete opposite. They, you saw who was running down the runway. Uh, the first wave out, first waves were that the Afghans. They didn't even notify and, and start to uh, triage the Americans. Uh, so this was a fumble on all parts. Uh, we had military there. They had an obligation to process, to identify and process the American citizens first. Why we didn't do that, there's blame to be had by both Department of Defense and Department of State. Uh, but bottom line, Dan, we've seen, did we need to be in a war like that for 20 years? Did we win the war? Did we make the situation with terrorism across the globe better or worse? Can we right now learn from what's going on in Russia 
where you have a, a force with the Russians numerically larger, technologically more advanced, and they're a stalemate with Ukraine. And can this be the case if we don't have a choice and the People's Liberation Army pushes across the sea 96 miles and does a lodgment in Taiwan and we get sucked into a war due to a treaty? Now, we may not have that choice of fighting a pure competitor, but we better be ready and we better not be like Russia, which is suffering right now from low morale and low readiness. And I would submit what's going on in our military right now is putting us at a huge disadvantage. And that's not having anything to do with the Department of State. That is due to the decisions that our senior leaders in this book, A Few Bad Men, examines what happened to our Marine Special Operations Task Force in Afghanistan in 2007 and the decisions that the military senior leaders, these general officers made. So I know a lot of your listeners are aware and you know it's, it's very sad tragedy when there's uh, friendly fire and there's death from friendly fire, such as in the Corporal Pat Tillman case. And in that case, senior leaders in the military decided we know what happened, we know the facts, but we're going to distort the truth and we're gonna sell that to the American public. That is, that is an information operation to distort the truth. You can do that to the enemy, you cannot do that to the American people, but that is what happened in the Pat Tillman case and in a few bad men that happened on a grand scale where they tried to send the seven of us who were ambushed in a car bomb, we were blown up by a van filled with explosives and shrapnel from mortars detonated on us. We got shot at on both sides of the road, received sniper fire. We had a crowd, a mob form in front of us, pull a car across the road. We couldn't get out. Uh, we finally shot above their heads. Uh, we, we didn't kill any civilians. And then they alleged that we killed 19 civilians and 50, wounded 50. This is a nonfiction story. This happened. And our senior leaders knew the truth. They had my polygraph. They had the statements of all 30 Americans on the patrol, and they sent 45 criminal investigators, unprecedented in American history, to dogpile on seven of us uh, who fought our way out of an ambush. And the decisions that they made, I don't want to do a spoil, because this book comes out on June 7th. Your listeners need to get a copy. <clears throat> if they don't like buying or reading books, it's on Audible. Uh, they can do it on Kindle. Wherever books are sold on Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, uh, in bookstores, ask your bookseller to get it. It is it's a shocking, eye-opening, nonfiction story that has the truth about what happened in Afghanistan and why our leaders need to be held accountable, Dan. Um, I, I have two, two follow-up questions, Fred. Um, first, uh, thank you for writing the book. Um, uh, we, we believe here at Black and White that telling the truth uh, is, is important because it helps people understand the actions of our leaders or inaction of our leaders. Fred, there's been a lot of discussion as to are, are there any Americans still left behind enemy lines? Sean Hannity counts it every day. Biden has said nothing. What do you think? Well, it's obvious what, when uh, we did the evacuation, it was done in haste. And unfortunately, there are Americans. Uh, what that looks like, are they uh, dual nationalities? Did they choose to stay? Um, 
there are Americans in Afghanistan. Were they left behind? This is what I would say. And this is from serving 27 years in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps is a depart inside the Department of the Navy, we're the men's department. And when we have gone on, during my career, I went out on six separate uh, deployments on Navy ships, and we have to do these non-combatant evacuation operations all over the world uh, in these countries that are true hellholes. And they have a civil war. What Americans are doing there with business or love interests or whatever they're there for, the Department of State generally gets the word out months in advance. And when Trump was in office, as well as when Biden was in office for over seven months, uh, the information was getting out that we are leaving. And when you see a civil war, when you see the Taliban, and Taliban's not a bunch of good old boys. Uh, when you see these guys taking city after city and you're you know, just deciding to take a relax uh, and you're saying, well, we can't get out of Afghanistan. Last I heard, last time I was there, there was no borders there. Uh, there's, there's a road and there's a little arm that goes down at that road, a metal arm, but there, those, those mountains, the desert all around, that you can just bypass that and get into Pakistan or other countries, Uzbekistan. People are there by choice. If you didn't get out, then, you know, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was no walls holding them inside. Um, so people who are dual nationals, you can't plead ignorance on this. And that's just me saying it. Uh, some people want to be in some kind of a place like Sodom and Gomorrah by choice. So are there Americans? Yes. Why are they there? I don't know. But could they have left? Yes. So that's... Um, I don't think that the Americans should risk their lives sending the military to drag people out that don't want to leave. Let me ask you one more question before we get to our break. Um, what role do you think the president had in making the decisions? So an assumption of mine was that that was driven by a timeline uh, to have some celebration on September 11th that we uh, left 20 years you know, from the day of the attack. And that caused some things to go in haste. But the fact of the matter is, is the Department of Defense should have never given up our most strategic air pod there at uh, Bagram. Uh, that was a tragic mistake to withdraw the Marines from that base and then have to send them in later to you know, Kabul. Um, there, in my opinion, we should have been in Kandahar uh, Bagram, we should have multiple redundancy. Instead, the the airfield at at Kabul is the highest risk. Yeah, that's where the diplomatic mission was, and the preponderance of Americans in the Department of State are right there. But they had time to echelon them to other uh, sites that would have been safer for the Americans to have done that withdrawal. So, to answer your question, Dan, it was. I believe it was done in haste. That's what the, the optics look like. And a leader, whether you're the Secretary of Defense or you're the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a leader is there to be responsible. And when there's heat coming down and you have to answer the questions, it's to absorb the pain, not to uh, you know, try to shine up the, the fecal matter and try to tell the American people that everything went great, which it didn't go great. Americans needlessly died uh, due to a foolish plan. So don't, don't sell us something that's counterfeit and, and false. 
but they're also there to absorb the pain and say, it was on my watch. It stop this. I own this. Have we, have we heard that Dan? I no. don't think so. No. And when, in the case of a few bad men, ask your listeners to, you know, search for M-A-R-S-O-C-7, the Mars Marine Special Operations Command 7, and read about our case that's explaining a few bad men. Uh, you read this book, I, I wrote it, it's nonfiction, and I recommend that your readers do not, your listeners do not read this book at night if they want to sleep. This will be so disgusting at the level of corruption of our senior military who knew good and well, I was the commanding officer of this task force, I was there, saw, we were in this ambush, nine o'clock in the morning, saw with my own eyes, partook in it, and our leaders knew the truth. And they were attempting to label us as mass murderers and send us to jail in Leavenworth for the rest of our lives. This is not, I, I wish it was, I wish it was a, a, a fiction story. And unfortunately, there will probably be a sequel. And that's on the listeners, that's on the American people. Uh, there's a case right now, the Marine Special Operations Command 3, MARSOC 3. Ask your listeners to look into that. It's a case in progress. It's been going on for three and a half years. These three Marine Special Operations personnel are in the meat grinder. Is one, uh, get this, the mainstream media doesn't want to cover that an African-American Marine gunnery sergeant who was punched in the face by a 275-pound bodybuilder in Iraq who was drunk. So this Marine uh, African-American gets punched and assaulted in the face twice by this big guy the assaulters coming in for a third time and then another marine gunny hits him in the face one time the <clears throat> goliath falls down hits his head uh, they evacuate him four days later he dies in germany from a fixation of choking on uh, his vomit and all three of these marines to include the black guy who was assaulted there was no it was just one punch no no kicks no weapons no foul language one punch all three of them are charged with homicide. Case is in progress right now. Does America care that we have leaders that are incompetent in charge of our Marine Special Operations Command? Uh, should this be going on for three and a half years of self-defense? Dan, if you took action to protect your, your daughter's grandchildren and they accused you of homicide for something that was unintended, is do we not have the right of self-defense? What are the consequences when our Marine commandos who are trained in this Marine Corps martial arts program, it's a self-defense program and they use it. They use the minimal amount of force. Now they're looking at life imprisonment. This has been going on for three years and the American public isn't aware of this because the media is not reporting it. But this is the consequence when our case in the MARSOC 7, it's detailed in this A Few Bad Men, falls on deaf ears. Listeners, please, purchase the book, read the book, or listen to it on Audible, and take action with your member of Congress. This cannot go on if we want to, we're seeing what's going on with Russia, that definitely could be us as we're trying to fight our way onto Taiwan, and Americans are being killed at the tens of thousands. We don't want that to happen, and we need to have competent commanders in our military. We're speaking with Fred Galvin, and we're going to come back with him after we take this brief message. We'll be right back. 
the midterm elections are coming fast. The Biden administration has failed you, the American voter, in so many ways. It's hard to keep track of all the things we need to be concerned about. I want to focus your attention on one issue that I believe affects hundreds of millions of Americans every day. It's an issue that you can follow every day without the government trying to spin the issue away. These two images will bring everything you should be concerned about into focus. The first image is a gallon of milk, and the second is a gallon of gas. You can ask any American how much did they spend to fill their tank full of gas. 50, 60, 70, $100 or more every time. Ask yourself, what were you spending before Biden became president? Half as much? Even less? Your family budget is being shrunk because of inflation. And you may find yourself having to make hard decisions about feeding your family or feeding your car to make money to pay for gas and try and feed your family. Every time you pull into a gas station between now and the midterms, watch the dial spin away your money. Ask yourself who is responsible to make it spin higher and higher. When you walk into the voting booth next November, before you pull the lever or mark the ballot, if you see somebody with a D after their name, think of the D as standing for people responsible for taking your dollars. It's time to vote Republican. It's time to vote for Heidi St. John for Congress. And we're talking to Fred Galvin, and he's a retired Marine Corps officer who's got a book titled A Few Good Men. Um, I, I want to go on and, and, and ask you a question, Fred. What's the morale like in the Army today, Navy and Marine Corps? Good, good question. And uh, one, one correction, uh, the book is A Few Bad Men. Uh, a few, bad a few, few Good Men is a, another nonfiction about what happened to a group of Marines in Guantanamo Bay. But this is nonfiction, what happened to our Marine Special Operations Task Force in Afghanistan. You asked a question about the morale of the uh, current military. And uh, a month ago, I, so I served 27 years in the Marines and I had my own uh, small business for four and a half years in a charity in uh, mid-America. And then I went uh, back to serve in the Marines as a civilian for four years uh, in the Marine Corps and Department of Defense and interagency. So I just left that a month ago and so I have a very current knowledge visibility of you know, the Marines in the Pacific and our interaction with all the different services, uh, Army, Navy, Air Force. Right now, the morale, so an example, I work with several uh, Marine officers who had been enlisted uh, closing in on 20 years and the preponderance of the sentiment of these outstanding officers is at 20 years and one day I am retiring. They don't want to serve any longer. And it's not because they're continuing to deploy overseas. They're, they were lucky enough to serve in Hawaii. Their wives are happy. They're not overdeployed. They're not overworked. Uh, it's not an issue of pay. It's not an issue that they have a better job offer. None of those were the cases. I'm not embellishing. This was who, these were the officers that I worked with. Uh, the morale is so low. However, the topic that they wanted to bring up is something they had to remain silent. So the Marine Corps and the Joint Services have opened the floodgates on all these social programs that have destroyed the morale. And that's been embraced by the senior leadership. So they literally can't say anything or they're targeted. Uh, these, these programs 
uh, in which, of which there are many, they're treated like endangered species. So if, if you even look cross-eyed or have some sentiment against you know, the higher echelons command, their, their policies, you're, you're gonna be shown the door. So these officers, great officers, just shut up. Uh, you can't have a rift just like they have in Russia where look at how they, when they went into Ukraine, they told their whole people, the Russian people, that this was a special operations mission, you know, like it's an exercise. They didn't even tell their people the truth. And when, just like in this book, A Few Bad Men, when you lie to the American people, when you lie to your own forces and they don't trust you, you're not going to have high morale. Because if you've lost the trust of your, the frontline foot soldiers, what do they have to believe in? You know, are, are you really going to have their backs when the heat comes down? No. And they, they've seen this again and again. Our readiness, it's, it's a sham. And I, I hate saying this. This was after 27 years or 26 years, 10 months and 19 days, you know, in the military, in uniform, and then four as a civilian. And it pains me to say that we really need to have a close lens to examine our readiness and capabilities in the military and the morale. Uh, but I doubt that you, you've seen in the last administration, they had their first audit of financially, uh, but the Department of Defense doesn't like anybody coming in to examine anything they have going on. And that's, that's exactly what's contained in this book and how they manipulated the information in the courtroom, how the prosecution would slander us. And then every single time that we would go, bring a defense witness or even a character witness. This was a gunfight that we were in. We, we were attacked. There's nothing classified here. This isn't Jason Bourne's knock list. This isn't locations of submarines at sea. This was a, a simple gunfight. And for the defense witnesses to, every time we would go to defend ourselves, the, the uh, legal advisor, the colonel, we're going to classified session They'd have a public affairs officer bring all the media, not just out of the courtroom and in the lobby, two buildings over and on the second floor. And you do the, that kind of censure when you want to cover up what the facts are, because you know the facts and you don't want them out. And it's all about the image of an organization and not the truth. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you expect the American people to trust in our senior military leaders? There needs to be accountability. This book, I fought for 11 years to have the information in it declassified. That took me working with two attorneys to request the information via federal court uh, from the Special Operations Command and the Marine Corps to get these investigations and the trial transcripts redact declassified. No reason to be classified. Now it's all in one location. And when you read the stuff in the book, one, you'll read that these are the quotes of senior officers under testimony that fell on their sword, but it was completely covered up. And now it's, it's revealed. And you're getting a question like, well, these guys all got promoted, many of them to four-star generals, and they got away with it. You know, how is that good for morale? So if you want to know if, are we ready for the next title match against a country? I mean, Afghanistan didn't have aircraft carriers, fifth generation fighters, satellites, drones. Now we're looking at, we could get sucked into a war whether we want to or not due to treaties 
And China is preparing for this. China is doing amphibious landings. The media doesn't want to cover this. They're constantly rehearsing amphibious landings. Why would they do that? Well, they, they believe that Taiwan, that's going to be a reunification. Uh, also, the media doesn't cover what's going on with the proxy state of China, North Korea, which is launching missiles again and again and again now. How, where have you heard that in the media? You really don't, but they're launching missiles. Uh, you can dig and you can find it. It's not top secret information. Um, when I was just a month ago, when I was in the Marines, I mean, there, North Korea is launching missiles once again in wholesale. So we need to be very attuned. Uh, we talk about inflation, our economy. Can we sustain our way of life uh, at this massive rate? But if we go to war with China, where so many of our products are made and all these uh, chemicals that go into pretty much every single product. If, if we go there, we're going to have hyperinflation and we need to have our eyes wide open. We need to have American manufacturing uh, reduce the threat we have because we're dependent right now on China, unfortunately. Fred, I think probably the, the thing that surprised me the most was <clears throat> the demeanor and the philosophy of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley. Um, he didn't come across to me as somebody who was a, the, uh, an appropriate person to be in charge of the, the Joint Chiefs of, of the military. He, this, this, this desire to wanna teach wokeness to the, to the soldiers and the officers, um, uh, I know that that's, that job is a very political job as far as getting it, but he, he he just doesn't. No matter how many medals are on his chest, he doesn't come across to me as to being impressive as a the the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Am I wrong there? I would agree with you, Dan. And if you look through American history, whether it's a uh, Lieutenant General George Washington. Uh, you know, resigned his commission, gave his sword to Congress, whether it's MacArthur. These are leaders who were, uh, you know, the, the heads of the military who confronted, who gave their uh, beliefs that didn't buckle uh, to, to rise to power and, you know, maintain power. And that's what leaders. So when you and I had enlisted in the military, our oaths of service were different as enlisted than it is as an officer. As an enlisted member of the armed services, you, you take an oath to the Constitution and to obey the orders of the President of the United States and the officers appointed over me. As an officer, you take an oath only to the Constitution. So if, if your senior leaders are going away from the US Constitution, then you have an obligation you have a duty to disobey an unlawful order. And I would submit this right now from, you know, as I said, 27 years in service, four more as an American civilian, or as a civilian in the Department of Defense, 31 years total in, in just recently, I just left. So in the inauguration of President Biden, he stated that we have to, uh, uh, we have a threat of white supremacy. The Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff have both said 
the largest threat in the Department of Defense is white supremacy. So having, I was in special operations and as a Marine commando that does what we call personality targeting, going after the worst leaders in these uh, terrorist networks and other threat networks, we look at where these leaders are, their location, who they're connected to, where they may move to. And I will say this, that not only have I, when I was in the military, did I ever see a, a formation where there's some kind of racist sign, let alone a, a cross or somebody wearing bed sheets, none of that existed. But inside the military, in the senior you know, levels and in you know, the operations where we're targeting networks, inside the military, I would say where, who's their leaders? How are they organized? What kind of weapons they use? How are they communicating? These are the things that we look at when we go to dismantle networks. And none of that's, so this is this false narrative. Again, we can use information operations, information warfare, psychological operations against our enemies. We are not allowed to, to do that to the American people or the American military by our own leaders. That's against the law. But when we distort the truth and confuse the public thinking that, yeah, white men, we got to vilify them. They're, this, this is the direction that the senior leaders have publicly stated. Nobody's forced them at gunpoint to say that. They're voluntarily stating that on their own into the press, uh, you know, read their own lips. So that's, I really encourage your listeners to read a few bad men and you'll see that how did our leaders sell out the rank and file the frontline foot soldiers, those that are in the trench. But you'll see the last chapter talks about how each one of these officers that did that were handsomely rewarded. They, they, they had a hockey stick accelerated promotion that just went so far so fast. And that's how it is. It's not to prove yourself by merit. I mean, look at General Miley. He's a well-nourished guy. Is he the best? I mean, is, is he some chiseled jaw you know, strategist, you know, thinking like Elon Musk. I mean, is he the cutting edge? Is that who, you know, is leading us? Is he the patent of the 21st century? Can anybody who's sober and straight faced be honest and say, oh yeah, he's a, no, but, uh, but he's giving people what they want. He's giving one side that's in power. Uh, he's protected. And this is America. This isn't Tehran or Pyongyang. We don't need made men from some mob, some wise guys uh, that'll do anything to anybody for their for their own benefit. And look when they look at the last Secretary of Defense, General Mattis. Where did he come from? Where did he go? It was at General Dynamics and he went right back to General Dynamics. He was in the company here in Silicon Valley that melted down Theranos with uh, Elizabeth Holmes. And then he testified this last year about. Well, I had my own money in. The general didn't know. Uh, I'm sorry. When you were a four-star general in charge of all the military in the Middle East, and you wrote these emails saying, tell me what obstacles need to be removed so we can use this on our lads in the Middle East. Well, it's a, something called the Food and Drug Administration. They have to prove this. And come to find out, it was a total sham. So you can't play, plead ignorance when, when you're a four-star and you're trying to coerce people in the Pentagon to do this, and then you go immediately work for their boards, 
follow money, uh, but you have an obligation to know when you're going to experiment with something that's unproven on our, you know, on our sons and daughters serving our country in the battlefield. That's disgusting. Right. General Mattis was a convening authority in, in our war crimes trial. You need to read about what he said. I don't want to spoil it, but you're going to be shocked because the media won't cover this. Speaking about reading it, well, where can we buy it? It's available right now for pre-orders and it will be released on the 7th. I recommend that they get their copy because Amazon doesn't charge you until it ships. So amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, wherever books are sold, but pre-order it. Uh, there will be supply chain issues. If you look online, this is the hottest selling book in pre-orders. So to avoid any delay, uh, you can get your Kindle. Uh, there should be any delays there. You can get your uh, Audible if you like to listen to it. Uh, and I, I really do encourage listeners, if you have a heart for those that are serving their nation and who will serve, this is an investment and it will be shocking to you. Uh, you you need to take action. somewhere on the, on the social media on the web? Do you have a website? Yes, on Facebook and Twitter at FC Galvin. We've been talking to Fred Galvin, retired Marine and author of A Few Bad Men. Fred, thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. You too.